Hello and welcome to the REIT Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borgson-Quito. I'm joined today by David O'Reilly, CEO of the Howard Hughes Corporation. David was named CEO at the start of December after serving in that position on an interim basis since September, as well as holding the positions of President and CFO. David will continue in the role of CFO, a position he's held since 2016, until a permanent successor is selected. David, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Really excited to be here and tell you all about what's been going on at the Howard Hughes Corporation. Great. So it's been about a year since the company announced a strategic transformation plan, a plan that you were the chief architect of. Can you outline your intended goals and the progress made to date? Absolutely, Sarah. And it's it's a timely question because we I'd love to talk about how much progress we've made, even uh, despite the headwinds of the pandemic. It was over a year ago where we announced that transformation plan, and as you may recall, it was based on three main pillars. Uh, The first was streamlining and decentralizing our operating model and accelerating to reduce our overhead by 45 to 50 million down to a run rate of 80 million. The second was to execute on the sale of our non-core assets, about $2 billion of gross assets that would generate net proceeds of approximately $600 million. And then finally, to accelerate the growth in our core MPC business, where we have a decades-long pipeline of development opportunities and decades-long of residential land to sell to our home builders. And the closing of the Woodlands Towers at Waterway in December of last year was a great indication of our ability to accelerate Uh, that growth in these core MPCs. Um, As part of helping to craft and architect this transformation plan and then what we've done over the past year, we've really achieved so much of these goals and we've realized meaningful reductions in our overhead and are approximately 93% of the way towards meeting that goal of $80 million of run rate GNA as of the end of the third quarter. And we've also completed the sale of six non-core assets, generating approximately $132 million in net proceeds. And that refocusing on the company's highly profitable MPCs, and as I said, the the acquisition of the Woodlands Towers at Waterway was a great example. But we've also completed four recent multifamily developments in our master plan communities of Columbia, Woodlands, Bridgeland, and Summerlin, each with their own new uh, constructed multifamily assets. And with 2020 nearing a close, how has Howard Hughes weathered the pandemic and how has its balance sheet been positioned to deal with the potential challenges of 2021? Obviously a timely question and one that we've been very focused on starting in February uh, of this year when we saw uh, the formation of the storm clouds coming from the pandemic. And it was clear that the pandemic was going to have a meaningful uh, impact on our business as uh, the pandemic created headwinds and economic difficulties for in certain industries that, that overlay the Howard Hughes portfolio pretty closely with travel and tourism impacting New York, Las Vegas, and Hawaii, as well as the impact that the pandemic had on the energy sector and with two master plan communities in Houston, obviously something that we were very concerned with. Uh, as a result, we took a very proactive approach. And at the onset of the pandemic, raised over $600 million in equity to make sure that we had ample liquidity to weather this storm, no matter how long or how deep it went. We also more recently executed on a $750 million bond offering, which the proceeds, along with about $50 million of cash on hand, repaid $800 million of near-term maturities 
very much extending our maturity profile and creating that financial flexibility that we'll need as this pandemic continues. But what we saw, um, contrary to our expectations, was that some of the trends that the pandemic helped accelerate and created actually really benefited the Howard Hughes Corporation. We saw record home sales in our Houston MPCs and home sales in Summerlin outside of Las Vegas that have eclipsed 2019 levels uh, as of the end of November. As we've seen a shift in both residents and companies looking to leave coastal cities, higher tax states in the Midwest, in California, in the Northeast, et cetera, looking for great mixed-use live-work-play environments, looking for great communities that offer safety, that offer walkable outdoor amenities, that provide first-class office space, multifamily, retail, entertainment, and dining uh, in a business-friendly environment with a great low-cost, well-educated workforce. And as a result of that shift in trend, we are incredibly optimistic over the next several quarters and several years as we hopefully emerge from this pandemic and science catches up with COVID. Because that trend of a shifting workforce in companies, we don't see abating. And in fact, we think it's going to continue to strengthen as the pandemic reaches its course and the vaccine is distributed we'll not only see the in-migration from out of state, but we'll see the return of the local buyer, the return of those local businesses in Vegas, in Houston, in Columbia, that have been impacted by this. And if you couple that demand that I've just outlined with the over billion dollars of liquidity that we have on our balance sheet right now, and the opportunity of creating these mixed-use environments of tomorrow on the raw commercial acreage that we own in the middle of these incredible master plan communities, we think that creates an unparalleled opportunity in the public real estate space for Howard Houston to continue to drive net asset value growth over the next several years and decades. So based on what you're seeing, have you made any projections at this point in terms of home and land sales for the next year or so? Um, well, what I can tell you is that what we've experienced to date has been tremendous. And then in Bridgeland, which is our largest master plan community of residential sales in Houston, we saw record home sales in May, June, July, and August. And in Summerlin, we saw sales in 2020 already eclipse 2019 levels. And we see that trend continuing, as well as hopefully the return of those local home buyers. Um, all that's to say that, that we think that 2021 should continue to grow and we should see year-over-year -year increases in our underlying home sales in these communities, which therefore translates into very strong land sales when we're selling those land to home builders so that they can build the new homes for the new residents to occupy. So we're very excited about the trends um, that, have, that have emerged here. Now, I'll tell you, recently there's a, a survey by ICSC, the International Council of Shopping Centers, where 27% of adults in the U.S. are considering moving homes because of COVID-19. And 43% of these adults within that group are, con are considering the move are millennials. And to have the communities that we have, like the Woodlands, which was recently named among the top 10 U.S. housing markets, or Summerlin, which has been the number one master plan, selling, master plan community selling in Nevada for years, 
or Columbia, which is uh, named by Money Magazine 2016, the, the number one city in America, uh, we feel like we have the exact right product that these these adults that are seeking a new home out of those dense urban environments are looking for. So we're very excited about that, and we expect those home sales and land sales to continue to accelerate in 2021. And in terms of geography, is there a specific area where you see the strongest growth potential for the company? Whew. You know, that's one of the hardest questions that I get, uh, I have to answer, because it is so difficult to predict which will be strongest. We see great momentum in each one of our communities. In Columbia, which is really dominated by cybersecurity, healthcare, and education, has been very strong. As Las Vegas hopefully benefits from the return of that local economy, uh, we feel like that could have a lot of momentum, as well as Houston with the energy industry. Uh, our, our job at Howard Hughes at the end of the day is to be flexible and nimble with our capital so that we can allocate it from New York to Hawaii to Summerlin to the Woodlands to Columbia based on where we see the deepest demand and we can generate the highest risk-adjusted returns. So while I might have uh, you know, a betting favorite, if you will, in terms of where the strongest opportunities will be, uh, it rarely works out the way I believe as we see that shifting demand evolving pretty much real time, and our job is to try to stay a half a step ahead of it as best we can. Now, turning to the Seaport District in New York, which is a really unique development for the company, how has that been impacted by the pandemic, and do you anticipate the need to make any changes on the retail and entertainment side? Sure. Uh, so this past summer has been uh, a, a, a tremendous challenge uh, for the Seaport District and the team there. Um, having a retail and entertainment destination that's focused on incredible culinary experiences and outdoor venues in the midst of a pandemic is obviously very challenging. Um, but we've taken some meaningful changes during the pause. And when New York was shut down for 90 days, our construction was halted and we weren't unable to open our asset really at all. We tried to take advantage of that and make changes so that when we were able to reopen, we could do it so in a much better way, in a more thoughtful way, in a way that addresses what's been going on with this pandemic. Uh, first, we partnered with Creative Culinary, who is lending their incredible expertise to our F&B operations across the Seaport District. Um, they're elevating our customer experience and putting our restaurants in the best position to be successful as we emerge from this pandemic. Um, second, we focused on the design and the experience at the Tin Building, which is the 53,000 square foot food hall that will be opening in 2022, entirely curated by John George. And we saw the shifting consumer demand and made sure that we adapted the floor plate, even though in a very modest way, to account for what we see will be a much greater percentage of the business at the food hall through e-commerce, through app, through delivery, and to make sure we had the proper staging areas, to make sure we had the proper layout, and we had the expertise to be able to efficiently deliver hot meals, frozen meals, groceries, and chilled groceries as well, all seamlessly. And to help execute on that, we recently announced the hiring of a gentleman who comes to us who did e-commerce for Amazon and Whole Foods that's going to lead that effort at the tin building. I would say finally, uh, we pivoted uh, 
from our usual summer concert series on the rooftop of Pier 17 and launched a new concept at the end of this summer called The Greens on the rooftop of Pier 17 where guests reserve their own socially distant mini lawns overlooking the Brooklyn Bridge in Lower Manhattan. Uh, we're thrilled that we served over 42,000 guests. We were sold out every single day and had a 20,000-person wait list generating over a million dollars in revenue. This was critically important because it kept Seaport front of mind. It was really important because it generated great interest in terms of both social media uh, and and earned media for the Seaport. But it was really important because it helped us maintain our incredible sponsorship relationships. Sponsors like J.P. Morgan Chase, Lincoln, Heineken, Vovclico, Great Goose, that that generate meaningful revenue for us. And by maintaining that relationship, by delivering to those sponsors a world-class experience in the face of a pandemic, I think that we've helped solidify those relationships and brought them to the next level. And in this winter, we're going to convert those summer greens into winterized cabins called the winter greens, each holding only 10 guests decked with classic winter decor and amenities like an electric fireplace and incredible world-class views across New York. And we're thrilled that Vogue uh, recently named the Greens one of New York's best winter outdoor dining experiences. Okay, great. And and finally, any other issues that we haven't touched on yet? You know, I would say the one thing that we, we haven't touched on that I think is actually uh, another silver lining for the Howard Hughes Corporation has been our performance in Hawaii. And in Ward Village, we have 9.2 million square feet of entitlements where we'll be redeveloping a million square feet of retail, uh, and the rest will be for for sale residential condominiums. Um, and honestly, similar to some of our other areas of the business, we were afraid of, of what the pandemic would do to our sales business and our ability to continue to sell world-class luxury condominiums between Honolulu and Waikiki on Alamoana Beach. And we shifted to an entirely digital sales experience and an entirely virtual a way of showing and selling our condos, and we couldn't have been more thrilled with the results. This past quarter alone, we sold 24 units. We've advanced pre-sales on our newly constructed or under construction towers, Koula uh, to 77%, Aali'i to 85%, and Victoria Place that we launched sales of in January of this year. Um, you know, unfortunate timing with the pandemic, you would think, but it's actually been incredible as we've had that be the fastest selling tower at Ward Village over the past six years. We're now already 71% pre-sold and we're just looking to start construction towards the first of the year. So the resiliency of our product at, at Ward Village, I think it's emblematic of the overall strategy at Howard Hughes, where we're not just creating a building. We're not just building an asset, a condo, an office but we're helping to curate an incredible mixed-use environment with world-class outdoor amenities, walkable storefronts, great entertainment and dining options, and that vibrancy contributes to the overall feel of these communities and has helped contribute to the vibrancy and resilience during this pandemic. So we're really excited with the way Hawaii has performed and really excited with how the entire company's performed. Um, and just really grateful for the opportunity to be able to tell you all about it. Great. Well, David, you've obviously got lots going on, and I really appreciate you taking the time to tell me about it today. Really grateful for the opportunity. Thank you so much, and I uh, look forward to chatting again, hopefully in the near future. Great. 
And to our listeners, if you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe or leave a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.